0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning! morning. Oh good, you're awake, that's good. So uh, most of the time, you place yourself uh, during the sermon in the role of the hearer, at least I hope. Sometimes that happens, sometimes that doesn't. But most of the time, you place yourselves in the role of the hearer. Today, I'd like you to also place yourself in the role of messenger. Now, don't worry. You don't have to come up here and say anything, I promise, all right? But you are going to have to change your perspective. So change your perspective a little bit and place yourself in a role of messenger And that will have to do with today's gospel text. So in today's gospel text, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to the lost sheep of Israel to do what Jesus does. Right? He sends them out with the authority to do what he himself does. With that in mind, let's picture that you are one of the 12 in today's text who is sent to the lost sheep of Israel with the authority to do what Jesus does. Maybe our first question should be, well, what does Jesus do? First and foremost, he proclaims the word of God faithfully, truthfully. As Jesus began his ministry, he began to preach both law and gospel, saying, repent, right? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he sends the twelve out to do the same with law and gospel. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, then our next question, your next question might be, well, what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is God's active rule and reign. Martin Luther says God's kingdom comes when our heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that we may believe his word. And leave godly lives uh, here and now and there in eternity. Jesus calls his hearers to turn away from sin and receive the good news of God's forgiveness and peace and pardon in him. The kingdom of heaven is at hand because the king himself comes down to overturn the power of sin, death, and the devil. To overturn it. In your life. But in the text for today, he doesn't just keep that authority to himself. He sends out the twelve with his word and message on their lips and his power and authority at their disposal to do the things that Jesus himself has been doing heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And although uh, Matthew does not record the 12's actual ministry and what happened in that first sending out, elsewhere in the Gospels, Luke chapter 9, Luke does record that the disciples did indeed do what Jesus had sent them to do. Especially and even deliver God's Word in God's words. Okay? God's Word in God's words. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. One would think that the Word of God, these joyous words, would be welcomed by every home. Every home. By every person. With eagerness, with joy, with thanksgiving, with celebration, especially, especially to God's people. Especially to the lost sheep Of Israel. But when Jesus sends out the twelve, he doesn't give an overly positive pep speech. In fact, Jesus prepares the twelve for the reality that some people will not welcome them. In fact, doing what Jesus does will be met with rejection and even outward hostility. Beware of men, Jesus tells them. For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them by the Gentiles. Jesus tells them this as He's sending them out the door. By human standards, He's a a lousy motivational speaker, I guess. I don't know. Why get into specifics about this? Seriously. Seriously. Why wouldn't our Lord say something like, you know what? People are going to embrace you. They're going to love you. They're going to receive my words with thanksgiving. Because that's true too. But Jesus is preparing his disciples to be resolute. To speak God's word in God's words no matter what. So as a messenger, I'll ask you, as one of the twelve, as a messenger sent to do what Jesus does to the lost sheep of Israel, what is the temptation of taking the words and works of Jesus, doing the wonderful things that Jesus does, participating in the rule and reign of God, knowing the reaction of some hearers is going to be like this. Rejection, mocking, Handing over. What is the temptation? I'm asking you. Anybody? What's the temptation? I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to let you somebody's going to do it. They did it on Wednesday and there were fewer people. What's the temptation? Give up. Give up. Give up. Shut up. Change the message. Leave out or change the things that cause problems that might be construed as negative or narrow-minded or something like this. But here's the thing. And here's the thing that we need to remember. Jesus doesn't send out the twelve, His messengers to the lost sheep of Israel, to tell people what they want to hear or things according to what they think. But instead, what God has given them. And remarkably, God makes a, Jesus makes a a remarkable promise to the twelve that God will direct their words in the face of opposition, right? He promises when they, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak, right? Oh my gosh, we must have said something wrong to get them this riled up, right? Or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now again, we must ask, what does this mean for you, the messenger? Say what's on your heart. Say what your preference is. Say what you think is right. Maybe. There's a good chance that that's the case. But. Only when what is in your heart, what is your preference, what you think is right, agrees with the words of God. The words of Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is a sad thing that we cannot control how people will receive the message. But God compels us to do the things that Jesus does by delivering God's word in God's words. Not to change it. But to deliver it in its truth and its purity. And some people aren't going to receive it. That's just, going to, that's just the way that it is. Christ's message is clear. That those who reject God's word face judgment for it. And those who receive it receive blessing. So Jesus gives the following instructions. Notice he doesn't talk about changing anything or being quiet, or something of the like. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it. Well, who's going to be worthy? Uh, Who receives the word? Stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace stay there. But if not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, change it, shut up, no. Will not receive or listen to your words. Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Being a messenger is not easy, is it? But that is why the pure word is so important. Eventually, Christ's sending of the Twelve will emphasize that, the centrality of the Word. So we're in uh, early parts of Matthew as we progress, and especially as we get to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus doesn't command the disciples to make other disciples by casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, those kind of things, although they did continue to do those things. We know they did. Uh, They had a special ministry. Jesus sends them out to make disciples of all nations by baptizing them and are teaching those hearers to observe all that I have commanded you. Not what you think, not what seems right to you, but all that I have commanded you. So Martin Luther has some advice for both hearers and messengers. Here's what he says. If anything comes before you that appears to be so beautiful and so holy that you think it's absolutely angelical, still take it and compare it with God's word. Right? I don't know how often we do that. See if it is grounded in Holy Scripture and God has commanded and enjoined it. If it is a mere notion, a private opinion, and a good idea, but without God's Word, what do you think Luther says to do with it? He's very colorful. He says, spit on it. We don't have to do that, all right? But let's just say it will not accomplish the wonderful things that God's Word does. Does And more likely will cause more harm than good. Confusion. It'll feed the old Adam. Jesus says in John chapter 14, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. And the word that you hear, hear, listen to this. The word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Think about all of the rejection and all of the mocking and all of the pain that Jesus endured by by preaching the true word, the faithful word, unto the point of death. The word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, and then he says this. But the Spirit, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance what I have said to you. No person of the Trinity changes the word. Why should we? God will not have any person of the Trinity separated from the Word. God would not have any of His disciples separated from the true Word. God doesn't want you to have it your way. He wants you to have something better. His way. Because His Word accomplishes His purpose. His Word and His Word alone puts to death the rebellious human heart and instead renews us and leads us so that we may trust God and His Word alone in, in God's Word alone <laughs> in all areas of life unto eternal life. See? God doesn't need your help to make His Word more meaningful or powerful by omitting or changing it He has given us what we need to take to heart so that we might belong to God forever. And others might too. He knows what to say, how to say it, so that His Word is the power of salvation for all who believe. Trust that Word. It's the power of salvation for all who believe. God's Word alone is Spirit. God alone has the words of eternal life. God's Word always does what it says. Heals the sick, raises the dead, cleanses leopards, casts out demons. Most importantly, brings sinners to God. Point us to God's love for sinners in Christ. Bring the rule and reign of God to us that bring God's forgiveness and light and salvation into our lives and into the lives of others. Through the Word, Jesus makes. Disciples out of lost sheep, right? It's good news. Through this Word, God creates and sustains faith and makes a home for Himself to dwell, right? Like we heard in John chapter 14. Through His Word. right? How does God's kingdom come? Through His Word, your Heavenly Father gives you His Holy Spirit so that by His grace you believe His Holy Word. And live godly lives according to it. Through his word and his word alone, you are a faithful hearer. And by sharing his word and his word alone, you are also a faithful messenger doing what Jesus does. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.